0: Good evening and welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 128. On tonight's episode, we will be reviewing the ninth album from Lamb of God. It's called Omens. It's a rager. It's a good one. I think you would like it. And we're going to talk a little bit about Smashing Pumpkins' new rock opera. We're keeping up on that. Um, a song comes out weekly on the 33 podcast, and so we're going to talk about that each week briefly. We're going to catch everybody up if you are not up on the story so far. We're also going to read or talk about our reading of Sandman number 19 as we read through the entire series. Um, If you like what you hear tonight, subscribe, leave a comment. We would love to hear what you think about the show. And without further ado, I have to introduce the man himself, Mr. Metalhead Mundy. Step inside into his mind. It's Boy band time. It's Metalhead Mundy. Look there, he is.
1: Yeah, My, man. Every time I see that picture, I just miss those guys so much. I need to catch back up with them soon.
0: You haven't hung with them recently, huh? Not recently. No, it's been been
1: a minute. Everybody's busy, you know.
0: Yeah, you know how life gets when you're a uh, a group of heartthrobs who are now over the hill. It's sad.
1: Oh, wow. Well, that I liked where
0: it was going until the end there. But. The over the hill part of the heartthrob <laughs> <Yeah>. part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Monday! You can't keep it up forever.
1: This is true. Too much effort.
0: It is. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week, which is really exciting. Yeah. And um, just you saw a movie. Re- we did, but before I, before that, I wanted to uh, say something real fast. So, this book. Friend of mine, Nick. We we try to get together and read a uh, a fantasy novel every once in a while. We like fantasy books, and so. We just, just got on there and we're like, okay, oh, hey, what's a hot book right now? What's a good fantasy book? And this we got incredible reviews. So we're like, all right, let's read it. So I ordered it. In between ordering it, I looked online to find out what it was about. And I found out that it was a TikTok person who had written it. There's a whole TikTok group, I guess, writers, and they do fan fiction, whatever. I don't know. But anyway. Okay. So this person wrote it. So we read it. I read the whole thing. Um, it reads like a TikTok generation book. It's not a bad story. <laughs> it is so fast and if you what, know if you remember, what
1: what does that mean for fantasy though
0: what do you mean like
1: well you say it reads like a tiktok generation book but how does that translate into fantasy
0: it it translates into a book that is too fast for its own good because tiktok is all short snippets and it's quick you know not necessarily um, uh, taking a lot of attention span and all of that Kind of think uh, of younger people, but uh, you know, good fantasy writers make you feel like you're sitting in the room with the character and you get all the nuance and the, the descriptions of everything, and there's great world building. This book moves so fast, I can't even believe the amount of things that happened in it. Um, and the end is just like it's a whirlwind. So Okay. All right. Um, was it bad? No. I mean, it was a it was a fun read, but it just was too fast for its own good. It was like eating Chinese food, and then a couple minutes later, you're hungry.
1: Well, like you've shown the cover, but a bunch, but you didn't say the name of the book or the author.
0: Oh, I thought you could see it. It's called. I mean, I could see the name. The but... Broken Blade. And the author's name is Melissa Blair, and it's a All saga. Right. There are more books to come. I see. Was that say
1: the halfling saga? The or halfling, like yeah,
0: because there are people who are halflings. They're part human, part elf, or part you know, fairy. All so, right. So, um, I will be happy to, to loan this to you, Mr. Mundy.
1: I think I'm okay. good right now.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to continue, I don't think. But <laughs> I don't want to say it's bad. It's not terrible. It's just too light for fantasy, I think.
1: Well, yeah, so... In a similar vein, I think, was uh, my experience with the Twilight books, Uh which I read. Mm -hmm. I read because at the time I was working in a youth detention center and like all of the kids in there were reading it. So I was like, what in the world is this? I didn't really know anything about it. So I picked up the first one and it's not like it's not good but it's good enough and it's easy to read that i just i wanted to find out what happened so and those are not small books but Mm-mm. they read very quickly and yeah it was interesting enough that i read them all and then the terrible terrible movies came out
0: <laughs> but yeah i i was teaching 8th grade english at the time and yeah. so i read I started to read the first one. I got like 60 pages in. And if she said that Edward was beautiful one more time, I was going to vomit. <laughs> so I stopped reading. So that's, that was my Twilight experience. This is, this was to me was better than Twilight. Yeah. Just uh, not meaty enough.
1: Well, like I said, I they weren't amazing, but they were interesting enough that I kept reading. them.
0: Yeah. Well, all actually, right.
1: How- I actually just sold my all four Twilight books to an old friend of mine for like 20 bucks. <laughs> that's good
0: that's good return she on was that.
1: super excited and <laughs> she had read them before so it was like oh,
0: all right <laughs> good on you hey we all have so-called guilty pleasures so roll with it somebody <laughs> fell asleep, fell asleep. that was jpp that was from wanderings and wool gathering <clears throat> Well, if it, it was like I guess um, literature tryptophan, so. Okay. All right. Well, hey, we did have something else that was a bit media this weekend, and it was the premiere of Black Adam, and yeah. both of us saw it. We saw it separately, so we couldn't compare notes or talk about it at the at the movies or right afterwards. So, what are your initial thoughts?
1: Well, uh, we just saw it today, so it was pretty fresh. Um, you know, I especially with the DC movies with pretty much all of the geeky movies, like coming from comics and stuff like that. I try to go in one with no expectations and two, I want to like it. Like I don't go into that stuff thinking, Oh, this is going to be terrible. It's just, I'm going to hate it. I like, I don't, I try not to do that. Um, and I I really enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I did. I, I I liked it quite a bit.
0: Okay, I uh, I didn't dislike it. I it there was too much CGI action for my taste. There was a lot of that. Um, it's kind
1: of how it goes. Like I expected that, and like is the kind of fights that they do. As soon as they start them, I mean, you're basically watching a cartoon. So
0: but that's just, kind of, yeah.
1: I mean, that's, I'm, I'm ready for that. So that doesn't really pull me out of it.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, the Rock's performance was good. He was un-Rock-like. He had very few lines, uh, most of the movie actually, which was kind of cool. Cause it didn't, you don't want to turn a character like that into the Rock's persona. That yeah, wouldn't work.
1: I think that's kind of along the lines of Black Adam in the comics too. I mean, he's kind of, a heavy presence that doesn't really say more than he needs to so Mm -hmm. that that translated pretty well
0: and i loved dr fate i love the performance of pierce brosnan Mm -hmm. i thought he was fantastic i wish there would have been more of a connection because those two characters should be a little more connected um being Greek or you know being egyptian and all of that um or in this case Mm -hmm. kandak but you've got that Um, that feel that I feel like there should have been more of a connection there than there was, I guess he did break him out at the end. He he was able to, to get into his head and all of that. But Mm -hmm. um, that was a little lacking for me. Um, I did like the young kid who um, was kind of heroic on his own just because he didn't want to give in. But I really felt like there was a missed opportunity at the end for him to pick up the helmet. If you read um, there was a Dr. Fate series that came out later, and a yes. young kid named Khalid, who was a mm-hmm. student at the time, ends up getting the helmet. I thought, oh my gosh, there's the helmet. He's you know running around there. He's going to pick it up. I thought that would have been an amazing opportunity for him to do that.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, I see where you're coming from with that. I feel like that kid may be a little too young for that.
0: But Yeah, I mean, the other kid was, what, 18?
1: Yeah. So, and he, this kid's like what 14, 15.
0: I don't know. I'm putting a spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> a little late for that now, but yeah, well, alert, everybody.
1: But, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I wasn't, I, I was not thrilled about how things ended up with fate, but I get it. And, Honestly, like that was one of my concerns going in. I think Pierce Brosnan was perfect for that role, but I feel like he may have been a little too old. Mm -hmm. But the way they played it, it made sense. It worked. And I mean, actually, he's supposed to be older than he really is. So, yeah, that that worked for me. Um, Aldous Hodge, who played Hawkman. Um, I don't know, like sometimes I liked his performance. Sometimes I didn't. He was kind of hit or miss for me. He looked badass, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was almost like he was trying to be too cool. <laughs> yeah, something. he grew
0: on me over the movie. I didn't like him at first, but I, I felt like by the end he did a pretty yeah. nice job, and he was a good counter uh, to Black Adam. I thought. Yeah. Um, loved Cyclone. I thought she was fantastic, mm. and I loved the way that they did the visuals. I, I thought that worked really well. And come yeah. on, Henry, Henry Winkler. That yeah, was fantastic. That was pretty great. The Fonz lives that, on. He's still a tough guy.
1: I wouldn't know what they paid him for that five <laughs> minutes of recording something on his phone.
0: That was pretty great. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I, and I guess for me, the best part of the entire movie was the mid-credit scene.
1: Uh, yeah, that was because I mean, <laughs> you know that was the big rumor, and uh, I mean we got it. So I, I don't know where they're going from here, but I'm, I'm good with it.
0: The, I don't know. The first thing they need to do is make a good Superman movie, like mm-hmm. a legit Superman movie with, you know, that's light and hopeful and makes sense for Superman. But I don't know if we're going to get that. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't seem like to. it's the DC way. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, but I was entertained. I, I did enjoy it. I didn't walk out of there like, oh, God, I just wasted two hours of my life. Yeah. Um, it was definitely entertaining. And um, did you notice that uh, Black Adam pretty much just hovered the whole time?
1: Yeah. He was rarely
0: standing anywhere. Rarely,
1: yes. Yeah. And I think they did that kind of to give you like a feel for him. Because then at the end, when he did kind of come down and you're like, you noticed.
0: Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I the people that I watched with and talked about it afterward had a problem with the demons and the, the way the demons are always portrayed. And I think they're right. Demons in the comics are usually smart. And there's usually some kind of psychological game or something going on in the background. And a lot of times in the movies, they just come across as big, dumb, strong guys who fight. Um, and I think that's kind of a valid point.
1: Yeah, I did, I mean, Sabak I think is a character that's been around for a long time in the books, but we just didn't really get that much background here. I mean, hmm. they 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 gave you like the, you know, the exposition, I guess, to set it up, but there really wasn't much to hold on to there when he when all of that happened, you're like, okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. And that that also I mean, I they played it as kind of a counter to the the wizards, mm-hmm. but I feel like that character really probably should have gone more toe to toe with fate. Mhm. I don't know, but
0: I know. It Yeah, and he didn't do anything really except for flex his muscles a bit and then get ripped in half, you know, which yeah. It was kind of cool too, because in the comic, if you remember a long time ago, Black Adam does rip somebody in half. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of was right on par with the movie or with the yeah. comics. So I would say, if I was giving it a score, I'd probably give it a two and a half out of five.
1: Okay. I would I would have gone a little higher than that. I would have given it at least uh, three three and a quarter.
0: All right. But again, I'm glad they're continuing on. I don't want to see DC fold and give up. Um, I, I wish they would give up on the Flash movie because I don't want to watch that D-bag, I, but yeah, I just
1: I don't even know what the hell you do with Ezra Miller at this point.
0: You cut ties and move on, is what you do, but yeah,
1: but they got that whole movie-like, how many hundreds of millions of dollars tied in uh-huh. this movie? And man, yeah,
0: <laughs> just go pay somebody's face over his, <laughs> I guess. We can do the Henry Cavill removal of his beard. <laughs> that'd be fantastic alright okay well anyway that was our weekend with Black Adam fun times but um, we have lots of music to talk about and um, we're gonna start off with Smashing Pumpkins and um, if you're not listening to the podcast it's a pretty cool podcast actually it's called 33 representing the 33 songs that are on this new rock opera and the 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 way that the uh, podcast is structured is the same every time. So he comes on and Billy explains the story and where the song fits in the story. And then from there, they uh, play a new song from the record. Then they invite somebody onto the show. And then that person, they kind of talk about their place in music and all of that. And then they listen to an old Smashing Pumpkins song and they talk about it. And it's usually just under an hour, so it's an easy listen. It's lots of cool stuff you didn't know. Um, which host is going to be the first to wear a skirt in honor of Billy? Um, Monday. I don't know what that belt. means.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Uh, so. Part of the thing I talked about on the show was he was getting picked on back in the day because he wore a dress on stage. No. Uh, it was cares. at the MTV Music Awards, the first time they played Tonight Tonight, and he had a big thing on, almost like a cassock, but he caught a lot of crap, and he talks about it on the podcast, actually, when they did things that were different than what was expected of, quote-unquote, like, big-time musicians, yeah. and like, pop people, basically. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so the first, so it's been a few weeks, but we did do Autumn, the intro song. We did Butterfly Sweet. And we did Beguiled, which was the one they released on TikTok. And now is a video you can watch anywhere. And we were, if I remember correctly, pleasantly surprised with all of them, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I liked all three. Uh, Beguiled was my favorite of those three, just because it was a little heavier, I think. And the one, I think it was Autumn, was like a intro track, instrumental, which sounded cool. But, you know, it's kind of a, it's just an intro mm-hmm. track thing and the I don't, I forgot the name of the other song already, but yeah, there was nothing there that I was hating on.
0: All right. So, the story, according to Billy, the first song is a ship floating in space. Society is in shambles as we know it. And um, the ship flies like towards the dark side of the moon. The next song is Butterfly Sweet. And that one, we see two ships floating uh, fairly far apart. One has shiny the character shiny in it shiny is what zero who became glass now became shiny if you go according to the three records and then june is in the other one now if anybody is listening or can explain to me why june is still alive that would be fantastic because she died <laughs> um previously in one of these records so i'm not sure how she's still alive unless it's conceptually but anybody has an answer to that that would be fantastic Um, and so basically she sings a song. She's in love with shiny. She sings a song to him every day. And that song is butterfly sweet. Um, and then shiny punches in a code call and it starts the March of life, which basically is going to jettison him into the sun. So he has been exiled in space into this ship. Uh, Yeah. I don't know how you would ever get this. I mean,
1: Uh, (laughs) this is uh yeah, that's a, that's a story. (laughs) We're going somewhere.
0: I guess the whole thing is to make June do something. Right now, she's going to have to be impatient and move on because her love is now going to plummet into the sun. And I guess they've been in space now for 20 years. I guess it's going to go right along with the fact this is 20, well, 22 years after uh, Machina. So I don't know. And the next song was called The Good in Goodbye which uh is my favorite song that i've heard from them so far it uses actual recordings from sputnik which is awesome since we're talking about ships in space
1: yeah i missed this one so i somewhere i lost this one in the shuffle of what we were covering with our couple of weeks off and all that so i didn't hear this one
0: yeah it's i think you're going to want to go back and listen to it and there is um some singing in the background and billy says according to him it's the seraphim Um, And they are singing shiny as he crosses over to the dark side of the moon. And then at this point, he realizes, holy crap, um, there is more to life than he thought um, that he had been lied to his entire life. And there was a song that had to do a little bit with this that was on shiny, and Oh so bright that originally was written or in Billy's mind was going to be on this record. It's called Alien Nation. And um, it's it's an okay song. I don't love it. I didn't love shiny and oh so bright. Um, but it is the first allusion to this new character, Shiny, that okay. it has come since he was Glass. Um, this one I thought had some super cool drums, uh, great guitar groove. There was a cool breakdown. There were tempo changes. It just felt like old Pumpkins. Nice layered guitars, and I like that one probably better than all the rest of them so far. Cool. Uh, so, as he's now plummeting through space, we go to Embracer. And, um, you want to talk about this one a little bit, Mundy?
1: Um, I really like, I feel like the three songs I listen to, I mean, there's synths all over this stuff. So, and I don't know if you are loving that so much, but, uh, <clears throat> but I really dig the opening of Embracer, really cool synth opening, um. Which leads into a really cool groove. Um, I really like the backing vocals in this song. The female mm-hmm. backing vocals added a real nice touch. So, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I like this one.
0: Yeah, I, I like it too. And yeah, you're right. As far as the synth goes, I don't want them to be entirely synth because yeah, I've always loved the layered guitars and the the drums. You know, those yeah, I feel like there's a, and all that.
1: Yeah, there's some of this. Is I mean. I don't know if Jimmy's doing the programming or anything, but I mean, it, it's not him playing drums. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I would probably rather hear that.
0: Yeah. If you've, got uh, yeah somebody, I'm,
1: if you've got somebody like Jimmy Chamberlain, I mean, you might as well use him.
0: Yeah, I think so too. He's fantastic. Uh, this one though um, is June jumping into action. And so she feels like she needs to communicate. Um, She refuses to accept that Shiny will die. This is all according to Billy. I'm not making this up or kind of listening to these and coming up with some far-fetched story. This is according to Billy from the podcast. And so she sends a message to Earth anonymously. And it's a coded message um, that only Shiny fans will get. And um, basically telling all of the people who might know who Shiny is that he's taken the march of life. And it keeps erasing. Like every time she sends it, it just erases. There is no sign of him anywhere. He has been digitally erased. Which I, Billy even comments that this isn't too far from what we have with our cancel culture today. Um, that people are being erased, and you you can't make money off YouTube or whatever it is. So um, it's not too far fetched when you think about it. Um. So. Trying to think here, so I think that was it, right? Yeah. So she sends the message, and then when we get to the next song, then they have received the message. The next song is called "With a Do I Do." What'd you think of that one? Um,
1: the opening, uh, again, more sense. It actually, with the sense and the drum beat and everything, it sounded uh, very '80s. I had kind mm. of an '80s feel, at least in the opening. Um, the chorus, I really, really liked the music on the chorus
0: uh, had a real cool vibe to it. Yeah. I liked it too. And, um, this one is, um, the message is being received by a person named Osira in a group called the hopeless day. And, um, so they received the message. Um, the person who originally got or June didn't like the song, but she sends it out and all these people now, um, they know it. They feel like they, you know, they're aware of this person, and it's like, well, oh my god, this person's an underground hero and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, I, yeah, I know it's pretty. Insane. I just, but, uh, I
1: don't know what came first, like the songs or the story or what. Like, I don't. I feel like I don't know. I feel it almost feels like he tried to write a book or something, and then just decided to make it all songs.
0: Yeah, and
1: I, it's very I tried to look up the lyrics. Story.
0: I, I wanted to look up the lyrics and, and like try to read along and go, okay, what, what is this saying? Is this like really fit? But the lyrics aren't available yet. So you, and sometimes his lyrics are unintelligible unless you know what he's saying. And then you can go back and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I get it now. Um, but they're not out there. So I couldn't do that yet. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a very loose story, but when he talks about it, this all seems very intentional. Yeah. So, Like the next song, for instance, Hooligan, is sung by Osira, who received the message from the hopeless day, right? I mean, um, she's emotionally involved now. She feels compelled to do something. She has become the hooligan, right? I mean, she's um, important. She's going to do something about it. Um, She feels a bit like a criminal because she's going against what is supposed to be done. So maybe these are very intentional. I don't know. I liked Hooligan quite a bit, too, actually.
1: Yeah, I I did too. The the guitar um is has a much heavier tone than the other two songs that we were talking about today. Um I think it's it sits well inside the, the synth grooves, like that mm-hmm. you've still got you know pretty good crunch on these guitars and the way you blended everything together. I mean it the, yeah it sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah, I I kind of felt like this was a departure from the other ones too, a little bit in terms of the structure of the song. And so Mm it kind of fit the idea of a hooligan, somebody Mm -hmm. breaking free, kind of becoming a bit of a rebel. Um, So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how they're going to stop this guy from floating into the sun with an underground movement on earth. But I guess we have 33 songs to get us there.
1: Are you sure this wasn't the fantasy novel you read?
0: Um, No, this (laughs) moved this moved way faster yeah that was oh it's just crazy like i can't even go there but anyway you know you read robert jordan and then read this and you'll be like oh my gosh this is the clip notes what's going on <laughs> anyway we digress so anyway that's that's pumpkin so far that's um six songs plus beguiled which has been released and i'm very intrigued i um I think these songs are really interesting. I think when you listen to them in a row, I think it's going to really, you know, I think it will tell a story. I don't know if it's going to tell me that story, but it's going to feel great, I think. Cool. So I did go because I like to buy dumb crap. And so I looked at the box set. And so if you buy just the box set with a couple other cool packages with it, you get, I think it's 10 songs on singles like 45s mm-hmm. of songs you can't that won't be released anywhere else yes I'm like, All right, i heard that i think <laughs> yeah. I,
1: they, they were doing ads for that in the podcast i think mm-hmm. i caught like yeah. the tail end of one of those
0: yeah so, so that I'm, was, I'm gonna be
1: honest i did not listen to the podcast i just fast forwarded to the song
0: <laughs> oh no, no no that's fine that's fine I'll, I'll take notes every week but um that was 225 dollars and i'm wow. like maybe maybe i don't know And then I saw, okay, you could have the exact same thing, but signed by each member of the band, $500. Oh, like, I love Billy, but I don't know if his signatures were $275. It's a little steep. So, yeah, probably not getting that one. Maybe not getting getting either one of them. I don't know yet. So, anyway, I'm excited. I I think it's going to be a good record. I can't wait until we can review it in its entirety at some point. That'll be in April, I think, is when that actually comes out because it's got to go through, well, what, 27 more weeks of single releases before we get there. So, yeah,
1: um, might be interesting to hear it more as a one piece.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I feel like this is good. You know, when we did the last, we did Sir, mm-hmm. I, I was not a fan. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys liked it more than I did. And uh, so I'm really <laughs> I'm really hoping this is going to bring me back, baby. But anyway, let's move on to Lamb of God, because I know that we both dug this one. Yeah,
1: that's a hard right turn from Smashing Pumpkins.
0: <laughs> it was yeah. less hard back in the 90s. <clears throat> it's really hard turn now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think you already said this is like their ninth album it's called Omens. Um yep. It's been out for eh, a little over a week.
0: Yeah, like almost three weeks, I think.
1: <clears throat> oh, really? I didn't think it'd been that long. No,
0: two weeks. It came out on the 7th, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, Lamb of God is nothing if not just solid. I mean, they are, I, they've are. they had very few uh, big stumbles for me. Uh, mm mm-hmm. I came to them later um, they had already been around for a while before I came to them. And I think when I first heard them, I don't know if I caught caught that on a bad day or what. but I really wasn't a fan until I could. I don't know. They were like three or four albums in and I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. So but uh, yeah, I love them now. I've seen them. Actually, I've seen them live
0: once. No, twice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. I would like to see them live. I have not. Uh, this is a group that I, I could see where people don't dig them. I mean, it it's a niche. I mean, it, you may not like this type of music, but I would think even if you don't like them, you have to agree that in this style of music, they are experts. Like, it, it is... You know, the guitars and the bass and, and those killer drums. I mean, Art Cruz is amazing. Mm-hmm. What they do is at the top of the game when you're talking about this kind of music. So I would like to think that people at least appreciate what they do, even if they don't like the style.
1: Yeah, I was going to say up top, the uh, art really kills it on the drums on this one. Um, you know, it always sucks when a band loses like an original member. And mm-hmm. Chris Adler, I think was a big part of that band and his brother is still in the band. So that's an interesting dynamic, I'm sure at family reunions, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, art is a very, very capable replacement and mm. man, these last couple of records that he's been on, he's absolutely killing it. Yeah.
0: He was so good on this one. Uh, let's see. So one thing that I noticed throughout um, is the lyric writing is mm-hmm. so good on mm-hmm. this record? I mean, yeah, it is just there were some lines that I'm just like, oh yeah, this is this is like poetry, you know? Yeah, was there so was good.
1: there was one line. Um, since you're talking about it, I'll mention it because it wasn't. I mean, it was in the last song, I think, in the September song, but um, there was a great line in that. It said something about. The uh, the year of perfect vision and I was like, Mm -hmm. I mean, what what a way to say 2020. I mean, that's basically Mm -hmm. what he was saying in the year of perfect vision. Like, oh, it's 2020. That was pretty (laughs) good. That was pretty good.
0: Yeah, uh, there were just all it was all over the place. I started like just putting a couple down. Like, all right, I'm just going to be like (laughs) quoting too many lyrics, so I pulled a bunch off and just kept some of my favorite ones. But um, So starting off with the opening track, we got to decide, is this a great album opener? And when you're connecting to Edgar Allan Poe in Richmond, Virginia, how can you go wrong with an album opener? And um, this one's about the atrocities and inhumanity of uh, Richmond's history. Mm-hmm. And it uses sort of metaphors from Poe. It wasn't a direct, you know, he's not like reciting poetry yeah. from uh, Poe or short stories mm-hmm. or anything. You've got Nevermore, which is the obvious one. And then you've got Chained Beneath a Parking Lot, which maybe is an allusion to the Casco of Montiato. I don't know. But um, just a, a fantastic album. It rips. It shreds. It is uh, fantastic. I loved it.
1: I agree with all of that. Um, <clears throat> reading the lyrics, it's very obvious that it, you know they're talking about slavery and the mistreatment mm-hmm. of colored people throughout the years mm-hmm. and all of that. why wow, I said colored people. Holy cow.
0: Um, people of color. DLC.
1: That's what I meant.
0: Mm-hmm. I know you uh, did.
1: Yeah. So, and Randy's delivery on this one I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, this, yeah, outstanding opener. I, I, yeah, good stuff. This was actually one of my highlights.
0: Yeah, I love this one too. I, it wasn't my favorite one on the album, but it was definitely really good. Um, second song is Vanishing. Um, I didn't have a lot about this one. This one for me is just classic sound. I mean, it just like would fit on any album that they have. It just mm-hmm. rolls right in there. Yeah. Um, great metal, great song.
1: Um, there's a a bit of a kind of a, a short clean break in the song that kind of you know tones it down for a minute. And that was kind of cool. Um has a weird kind of false ending. Like, it, I think this is the one where, it, I mean, it, it sounds like the song ends for like 10 seconds and then blasts right back in with, with like another chorus to take you out. And I was like,
0: oh, OK. <laughs> there are a number of songs that have some nice, soft, quiet moments mm-hmm. before it, it kicks in. And uh, those are nice touches when you're getting something that's just a full blast in your face most of the time. Yeah uh next song to the grave excellent song um I, i'm i was like really reading through this trying to figure out exactly what was going on and
1: i think i mean i have an impression i don't. do too and i, I came up with yeah.
0: something. but i don't what do you have what do you think
1: uh it's really what i got from is kind of just about how death is kind of Ever present and always around the corner, and you never know when it's coming for anyone. So that's that it's just always there,
0: yeah. I and I kind of got it too as like almost a cautionary thing where, um, w- where he's left with his own self doubt, like judging yourself for your past mm-hmm. actions, like you kind of got to let that go, you, you know, but that's sort of always in the back of your mind. I don't know, but it's great that it's thought provoking enough to make you want to pull that out, you know. And it's yeah, musically, it's another great song.
1: i was saying that was laid on top of some really good grooves. So. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ditch the fourth song. Loved this one, and this one definitely um, had some cool lyrics in it. And the cool thing for me was like the concept of like soldiers who dig ditches in yeah. war and then die in the ditch. Ultimately mm-hmm. they're digging their own graves. I kind of like that. But then he was likening that to, um, entitled people now soft mm-hmm. entitled people. And he says, you know, you demand a life you haven't earned entitled soft and cern- soon to learn. There's no shoulders here for crying. <laughs> that was fantastic.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is another highlight for me. Um, the beginning was really cool. Um, Yeah, I love the lyrics, Uh, just absolute solid riffs throughout the song. But yeah, and same thing, I got the same thing as you did from it. And it's, you know, yeah, talk about people putting themselves in their own, you know, situations, bad situations, just by the way they they live and what they expect. And, you know, people don't owe you anything, so
0: get over that. (laughs) Exactly, um, yeah. So that was that was one I loved. My next, I think, the next song is maybe my favorite one. That's Omens, and um, I first of all, this is the connection of kind of denying history, like knowing it happened in the past, and then sort of acting like we just ignore it and act like it can't happen to today, which was really cool. But it has a great groove and kind of a funky start, and I think on this one, his vocals have a really cool rhythm to them. Um, some of them sometimes it's just like straight in your face, just one line after another. But I feel like there's a little rhythm to this one that's really cool. And there's some song shifts here. And I thought, um, the drums, Cruz was really strong on this one.
1: Yeah. This song has a really cool, uh, bounce on the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of like a, it, it's almost Anthrax does it a lot, which is one of the things I love about them. Like a lot of their stuff just has like a really cool kind of rhythmic bounce to it. And,
0: this one had a lot of that in the chorus. Yeah. I kind of felt, I said it was a funk, you know, and it Mm -hmm. was like a funky groove. So, um, very cool. And the next one again has like a really cool touch. We're talking about Gamora and then it's got this middle Eastern guitar feel, Mm -hmm. which starts off the song and then it kind of pervades through the song. But, um, I love that. That was so cool.
1: Yeah. Um, art really shines on this one i think absolutely killer drums uh the chorus riff was an absolute stunner um this was another one of my highlights
0: like yeah i liked it a lot so i'm kind of curious so i was listening to it and i'm like it kind of sounds like someone has has like given up right and they have um I don't know. I felt like there was almost like a suicide feel to it, or the impression that somebody was looking down after death. I mean, did you get that at all from hmm. this? Um,
1: I'd have to go back and read the lyrics again. But I, I didn't really make any notes about the lyrics. But uh, yeah, I'd have to look at them again.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. And I don't know. But I just kind of got that impression from it. I wasn't sure. But I love the, uh, the Middle Eastern guitar feel. I thought that was sweet. Yeah. Um, ill designs. The next one, having to do with karma, which is so fantastic. If karma really does exist and people get what they deserve, yeah. uh, I think that's fantastic. So, um, it lyrically, it is a brutal song, which fits well with music.
1: Uh, yeah, this one. Uh, you kind of touched on one earlier that I I felt like this one made me feel was uh, th- I. There's nothing really outstanding about this song for me. It's just kind of a straight up old-fashioned lamb of God, you know, jam. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's great, but I right. it just sounds like kind of a at this point in their career, this is like kind of a filler song for them, I feel like. Hmm.
0: See, I kind of felt like that on grayscale a little bit. I um, same,
1: yeah. These two back to back were I the exact same.
0: Yeah, and this one, according to what I read, was the only song that was recorded in B. So it was different, I mean, obviously, from the get-go, from the rest of the songs, but it just did not stand out to me at all. Yeah. And even lyrically, it didn't stand out to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Denial Mechanism. no, awesome. Awesome, we're in lockstep. The penultimate song, Denial Mechanism, is amazing. This is like a punk rock thrash jam. The the opening drums really just get you into that like punk vibe going on. Um, And the human race is effed because of our thirst for everything. I kind of love the idea of this song.
1: Yeah. The feel, the feel and the length of this song very much Mm -hmm. like a hardcore song. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's got that kind of hardcore punky feel. And I mean, it's only like two minutes and 37 seconds, I think so. It, it, this is very, very much a hardcore song. And yeah, I mean, they're talking about like pollution, overpopulation, stuff like that. And yeah, so <laughs> might be too late for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then the last song was specifically chosen as their album closer. Mm-hmm. So did they choose wisely? I would say Yes. Yeah, this one actually starts differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in a little softer. It has some nice nuance and texture, and then it it kicks in, and it's got a little post punk kind of vibe to it. And um, of course, it quoted Shakespeare, so had me right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the paradox divided here together, <clears throat> breathing here together, divided here together, bleeding here together. Mm-hmm. September. Um, it's kind of where we are. Feels like the United States right now. So yeah
1: um yeah it starts out with that kind of little acoustic piece and it works they kind of presented that more as an intro to the song they didn't really incorporate Mm -hmm. it which is kind of cool um uh this song really kind of has an epic feel and it's a little longer so that adds Mm -hmm. to that i think uh if i'm not mistaken i feel like i heard a little bit of keyboard in this song um could be it, it may have been an effect on a guitar or something, but it really sounded like keys and but it worked worked really well um at the end there's a really sick breakdown with like some some chanting background vocals is mm. really cool uh, that's kind of a throwback thing. when I was reading the lyrics to this, I, I feel like this might be one that could be interpreted different ways because, mm-hmm i feel like some of this some of the lyrics to this song could apply to their split with chris adler really yeah i and i without having them right in front of me like i can't say exactly what that was that made but i was reading this and i was like mm, man it, it kind of feels that way because there's a lot of talk about like division and and like where you, where I feel like he was, he was almost making a statement about where the band is after a shakeup or, you know, some division, they've come back together and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I could be very wrong about that, but I, 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 I feel like it's there whether they intended that or not.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and two, you, you could look at September as, you know the timeline of a band; they're in the September of their life. You know they've been together mm-hmm. for a long time now. Yeah. Um. So maybe they are talking about those kind of things. Um, confrontation over existence, past tragedies, creating resistance. I mean, those lines could be what you're talking about as well. Um. I just pulled the lyrics up so we can. Yeah. Be sure. <laughs> um. That'd be interesting to know. I don't know. If they
1: didn't intend it, it certainly works that way.
0: Yeah. So, well, who knows? Because you know a little something. Yeah. You got something to say about it? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say then for me, if I'm rating this guy, I would say probably a three seven five out of five um, for what it is. This is master class. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that brings it back for me a little bit is I would love a little clean vocal here and there. I think that would just be a touch that would just take there's, them over the top. Yeah, there's
1: actually, so the first song had kind of a spoken word thing. I wouldn't really call that like a clean vocal. It was a little bit of a spoken right. word thing. There was one song that he actually did like a couple of lines or maybe mm-hmm. maybe four. I don't know. It was either two or four lines like he did clean. And I was like, whoa, Randy's like he's singing. Mm-hmm. that." I feel like he's tried to do that maybe once or twice before. And most of the time, the lame of God fans do not care for that. And I I think they're crazy because when he did it here, I was like, damn, he's got like, like, he sounds good. So I
0: like the combination. I I think it's amazing. And if you can do it, why not sprout it? We talked about this last time we did slipknot. I mean, it's the same things the fan want. They want Iowa. They don't want singing and all that. So it is what it is. This is uh, our show. So we're allowed to think how we want. I say I want a clean vocal here and there, not all the time. Yeah, I mean it would be overkill if it was on every song, but um, uh, here and there would be cool. So yeah, three seven five out of five, and I'm definitely going to listen again. There's some songs on here, um, like Omens, I absolutely loved. I would listen again. September yeah. song was very cool. So, um, yeah, love this record.
1: Yeah, I I'm I'm about the same score three seven five, um, and I put like. Nevermore, Ditch, Gamora, September Song. like I put all those on my fave jams playlist. And I, yeah, I will definitely be listening to this album several more times because I like them and I like this album. So there you go.
0: Boom. Nothing to say about that.
1: If you have a chance ever to go see Lamb of God live, you absolutely should. They do not disappoint.
0: Well, if they come around, I'm going. So, all right. Well, um, next week, we are reviewing a record that will be quite a departure, and it will be uh, the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. New one called The Car. Their first record was insanely good, and it's been a little different since then, but they're still, what they say is interesting and cool. Um, So hopefully you guys will check that out, follow along with us, because they're pretty good. All right, that concludes the musical portion for tonight and brings us to Sandman, issue 19.
1: Grab the monster here.
0: And we're not going to do it like we normally do because walking through this issue page by page would take forever because there's a lot of Shakespeare built in. So I think we're going to hit the highlights and what this issue does moving forward because a key piece has been placed as a result of this issue. Um, And what also is really cool about this one is that what could have been a relative throwaway in the past when he met with Will uh, Shakespeare, I think it was spelled back then. Yeah. um, We could have left it there because everybody Mm -hmm. knows the history of William Shakespeare in literature um, and drama, but we, we go back and we revisit what happened a few issues ago. So that's really cool.
1: Yeah. This is, that was, he met him in the in the tavern or the inn or whatever mm-hmm. yep. with, during the Hobgadling story, right?
0: Yep, 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 yep. So, Way back in the past. And he was there with Kit Marlowe. Yeah. Um, and basically struck a deal mm-hmm. with Dream so that he could become a great writer. Um, which, you know, it's kind of fun. You go back and, and Neil Gaiman throws those kind of things in because we know where Shakespeare goes and what he does. Um, and sometimes it almost feels like, Gaiman can do this because he knows everything so well. Like everybody Mm -hmm. in this story, all the names he drops are legitimate people from Shakespeare's time that anybody who's studied Shakespeare knows who these people are. So he's kind of like flexing his muscles a little bit here.
1: Yeah. And this also, I think this issue kind of pairs well with the Calliope Mm -hmm. issue because his the whole thing in the Calliope issue was this guy had no ideas. Like he wrote this amazing first novel and then had no ideas for a follow-up, and so he got the muse and got all these ideas, and then Dream comes in and rescues her and just floods him with ideas. So here you have Will Shakespeare who strikes a deal with dream rather than doing something to anger him he strikes a deal with him for what was it like three plays he owed him he had to write two. like two two plays yeah, for Dream kind of so yep. or was it that he had to write them for him or i think it was the, the he had to write these plays that dream gave him or something like like he, he kind of there's a
0: connection. I don't think it, it specifically states, but he owed yeah. him two plays. Yeah, and I'm not sure exactly what the the rules were for it. Right, but so. yeah. Anyway,
1: interesting interesting idea. Either way, All right. so the troupe is they're traveling and you know nobody really knows what's going on except for Will, and they just stop in the middle of nowhere to put on a play and everything. Everybody's kind of confused. They don't know really what's going on. And I think they kind of figure out that this was someone that uh, I think they they kind of think Dream is kind of like a patron or something mm-hmm. that has given him money. So they're like, oh, okay, right, we get it. You know, we have to put on this special event for this patron and whatever. We'll be on our way
0: on the green. Yeah, yeah, which is cool and. Like I said, he name drops a lot of people, and so, um, you know, having taught Shakespeare in high school for quite a long time, you know, names like Richard Burbage were pretty common, and William Kemp, and people like that. So, um, and Hamnet, his mm-hmm. son, is legitimate. Yep. That's not made up for the story. That's his yeah. legitimate son. Uh, so those kind of things are really cool. And um, one cool thing, and I don't know, it's it starts on page one. On the upper left corner, you know, I'm talking about the uh, where they're traveling. You see their little wagon trail. Yeah, look on the side of the hill.
1: Yeah, it's the yeah. There's yes. a figure. It looks like there's a figure kind of carved in the grass or something like that. Is that what we're talking yes. about.
0: Yeah. Yep. 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 It's the Long Man of Wilmington, and it is legit. It's there. They think it was carved in um, the 16th century. Um, and it's also what is used by the fairies then to come in when they perform the play. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of a nice little touch that it's something that exists there on the field since they are doing this play on the green, so to speak. Cool. So that was a nice little touch from Gaming. Yeah, um, he's
1: good about that. He's uh, he's a smart feller. So.
0: <laughs> he knows how to tell, tell a story, you know it?
1: <laughs> a little bit.
0: So he says... in in an interview that when he was doing this that this was a huge gamble because he's basically recreating Midsummer Night's Dream within an issue of Sandman and not a whole lot happens except that they're putting on a play and there's some shenanigans that go on and then of course something happens at the end but um, he thought this was something that really could have failed like people would have been like what are you doing Mm -hmm. and because he's gifted and talented it worked out really well
1: Yeah. Also, I think uh, having Charles Vess on board to do the artwork probably did not hurt. Um, Because, I mean, this is right up his alley. Mm -hmm. So I I, I think that definitely probably helped sell it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you've got that to look at, I I don't, it can't be all bad.
0: (laughs) No. And I think it's also nice that most people know Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, Um, there are a number of of Shakespeare's plays that I think a lot of people know. Um, Obviously, Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, uh, this one, Much Ado About Nothing. I don't know. There's probably a few more, I guess. But there are a few that people are kind of expected to know the basic ideas for. And so this one is one of those. So as you're going through the story, it is good to know it because you go back and forth from these characters dressed up as the real fairies and then the real fairies talking and yes. if, if you're not paying really good attention, you kinda of can get mixed up. Yeah, that, that was one of, of my play.
1: That was one of my favorite things in this issue was uh, when they start performing the play and then all of these, you know, fairy folk are in the audience and they're like, is that supposed to be me? That's not me. That's not what I sound like. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, and Puck obviously is a huge oh, yeah. one Robin Goodfellow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing him, and of course, being the trickster, he doesn't like that. Um, Pease Blossom does not like what how he's por- portrayed. and I,
1: yeah, I like when it showed uh, this is those three, the three characters, uh, those three sitting there together watching the play. And <laughs> the one, I don't remember his name, the big guy. he's oh, like trying to listen. Yeah, he was like I mean it's the play just watch the play shut up it's it's entertaining it's you know it's a story they're you know it's not supposed to really be you but do
0: they ever give him a name? I don't know because in the first one yeah I mean he's explaining everything to them he's like the smart one even looks even though he looks like this big blob right uh, but I don't think they ever give him a name
1: yeah I, I don't think so.
0: I don't know, but um, I like the yeah. I like the bit
1: too. Like when they first start the play, Shakespeare comes out to do like the opening, and he looks out and sees all the fairy folk and kind of has a little freak out. And they have to mm-hmm. they have to cue him for his line, his opening line.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a, and it's got really <laughs> nice because the guys down in the bottom corner are like, yeah, tell me yeah. to say. Now yeah, and that's good artwork. The... <laughs> yep, and that's good directing. From you know when people talk about the art in a comic, I mean the artist is a director essentially, and he's directing. You know, these are essentially like storyboards or whatever. And yeah, that was a really cool touch, I thought. And he hit some of the the big lines um, from the play. So the play is obviously much longer than this, but he hits some of the the stuff that's really the funny one. Like uh, the play is the most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of. Pyramus and Thisbe, and then this person says, "A very good piece of work, I assure you." And a Mary, <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> cruel death of it's a Mary. It's a funny one,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: but he hits all of those, which I think helps when you're doing a book, a story like this, right? Um, I, I'm not even sure, like for anybody listening, how you even talk about this because <laughs> it's. Uh, it's the play being performed while people watch it, and you're going back and forth. And the play of, being performed to people talking in the crowd.
1: Yeah, and I, I like this section here where they kind of cut to um, Dream is talking to, I believe, it's the Queen of the Fairy Folk, and mm-hmm. uh, she like she asks who the boy is, and you say, "Oh, mm-hmm. that's the the son of the author," and um, she asks if she can meet him, and. Uh, he, Dream, kind of says, you know, uh, there's an intermission, so, we, you know, we can probably make that happen. And uh, so I like that she says, "Tis uncommon for you to have such waking commerce with mortal kind. He said that they came to an arrangement four mm-hmm. years back. I, I'd give him what he thinks he most desires. And in return, he'd write two plays for me. This is the first of them. So, yes, that's pretty cool. Talks about their deal a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think the his conversations, there's another one later. Those are almost the most important parts of the play. Um, the whole thing goes through and it's funny and you, know, you get the back and forth. But it's when he talks about the deal that I think has the most importance of the whole issue. Because later, and, and this is interesting too, this is where you get the idea of he's more inter- interested in the humanity of it. Mm -hmm. Because he's talking to her, um, he says, they only see the prize their heart's desire, their dream. But the price of getting what you want is getting what once you wanted. And had I told him, had he understood what then, I would have made no difference. And he gets to this whole thing where he's really laying this out for her. And she's like, hmm, oh, it's a wonderful play. (laughs) <laughs> like, she's not even paying attention. Like, this doesn't even matter to her. Right. Which I thought was really interesting. But, um, and so he, and this is also interesting because he's talking about he gets what he wants. But when he gets what he wants, that is exactly the opposite of what Hamnet wants because all he can think about is stories now. And he can't right. even be a good father to right. Hamnet. Yeah. That was interesting.
1: So, again, that ties back into the Calliope. A little bit because Mm -hmm. like once you get all the ideas, you know, what do you do with them? You're obsessed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting.
1: And there and in the Calliope at the end there, I mean he gives him all of the ideas at once and that just kind of breaks him. So
0: shuts him down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Um, but then it really brings us I guess the the crucial part of this entire issue is the one page that is very dark and ends with a smile. You know which page I'm talking about? It's page uh, 23. And this is Mm -hmm. the concluding speech from the actual play. And it's Puck speaking.
1: Ends with a smile.
0: Yeah. and Ends with a black box at the bottom. So... Puck obviously is this mischievous character in the play. Well, mm-hmm. throughout the play, the real fairy Puck has replaced the other Puck. Yes. So he is now pretending to be in the play.
1: He did that, and I think, at the intermission. He kind of found the actor that was playing him and kind of, I don't drugged mm-hmm. him or did something and took his place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he's got this. This is another piece where the art is just spectacular. And he's got his hands up like this, and he's kind of looking all shifty. And he's like, as I'm an honest Puck, if we have unearned luck now to escape the serpent's tongue, we will make amends ere long. Else the Puck a liar call. (laughs) So good night until you all. And then the page goes to this. All you can see are the eyes and teeth of this. It's like a Cheshire cat. Exactly. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. And so now what we have is Puck unleashed on the world like he is sort of taking the place of puck yeah which is a really cool uh little bit to the end of this
1: i like the the bit at the end here where he's got like the the he said a dream will know foresee a pouch of gold and he Mm -hmm. dumps it out and it's just yellow flowers (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah and then he's later. like no we
0: were paid full well mm-hmm. which other troupe has played to such an audience Yeah but
1: that but Shakespeare knows that that's he's not going to get payment for that his payment is his career for yeah,
0: being a prolific writings, writer Yeah so yeah. it's kind
1: of cool kind of a nice touch to end it
0: Yeah it is a fun <laughs> issue it's just hard to explain this issue you have to read it and in, to really get into it
1: and I like the the very end, the last little panel is mm-hmm. just text. And, Hamnet Shakespeare died in fifteen ninety six, aged eleven. Robin Goodfellows present whereabouts are
0: unknown. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's one of those. So, just a cool issue. It is uh, beautifully rendered, and um, I would definitely suggest if you're even remotely interested to go and read it. I mean, read the whole mm-hmm. series, but an issue like this is challenging. I mean, it, visually um, you have to try to figure out who's who and what's what, but when you do it makes it uh, really special.
1: Yeah, this is it's one of those issues where um, I don't know his, uh, this is where Neil kind of shines and kind of shows kind, kind of pulls up his sleeves and kind of shows his, his bona fides like he's not messing around, you know and he knows his stuff and he kind of throws all this little stuff in there. Like uh, you you can't read, if you know Shakespeare at all and you read this, you're like, oh my God, like he's, it's all in there.
0: Or he is messing around and he <laughs> knows his stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I love about this series, and I wish more series would do that now, <laughs> is the fact that it's not all written to trade. I yes. mean, these are, basically this is three one-offs in a row. Mm-hmm um, related to what came before, mm-hmm. but there's still one, you know, 24 page stories, I think or what these are. 22 page stories. I'd like those. It's difficult for a writer and you hear, um, writers that write comics all the time, talk about how difficult it is to write an eight page story, um, or something that's shorter than the full 20 or 22 page story, because you have so limited space and you got to fill it up with all these ideas and everything. But this is just masterful. And, um, I wish more series would do. I think Jonathan Hickman tried it a few years ago with fantastic four. Um, When he did, you'd have like a, a three issue set of of issues that told a story and then you'd have a one off and then you'd have a couple. And I kind of like that. That's kind of fun. I think rather than having the full six issue story just for the sake of a trade.
1: Yeah. I was actually, I picked up some um, old uh, Thor comics from the, early 80s and Mm -hmm. I mostly got it's like four issues three of them have Bill Sienkiewicz covers Mm -hmm. Um, honestly that's why I got them I'm not a huge (laughs) Thor fan but the first two in this series are it's a two part story like there is continuing stuff going on you know from whatever they were telling at that time but it's really it's like kind of a two part Dracula vampire story And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, they don't do that a ton anymore. It really is like the five to seven issues kind of, you know, design to well we get these done and boom, trade comes out, you know, and that's how they, because all the trades go into the big bookstores and on Amazon and all that. So they have to have that. They feel they have to have that to sell, you know, in that market.
0: Yeah, I get it. But those of us who are Wednesday warriors, like these one-offs and things like Absolutely. that cuz when they're done well they are special. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that takes us through the first 19 and then we're on to issue 20. And does 20 start with something Does it is the dream country? Is it just those
1: 3? I thought it was more than that, but it might be just those No, three. I think
0: there's I think there's one more.
1: Yeah, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah this so is issue 20 key, come
0: back next week yeah go out and buy the trade so you can read along with us and um, yeah because we get uh, death back next time so mm-hmm. any of you fans out there of the TV show and like death come back next week for her she'll be in it <sighs> we did that in an hour that was impressive that was a lot yeah, of stuff not
1: bad I was worried it was going to go long but
0: now in that same hour I could have read 400 pages of this. <laughs> That's wow. how fast it went. Wow. Yeah. So, anywho. All right. Well, Mr. Mundy, it has been fun tonight. If our folks out there want to uh, find you somewhere, where mate. they find you?
1: Um, easiest place is on Instagram at Monday same you, name that's under my face for the whole show.
0: <laughs> what do you, what do you uh well see some people just listen to the show. They don't watch. <laughs> so they need that information. What they kind should've... of uh, cool stuff are they going to find over there at Metalhead Monday Instagram?
1: Oh, I don't know. Comics, pictures <laughs> of my family. We got we've had a cat for a few months now, so there's a lot of that happening. Whatever. She's cute. <laughs>
0: cat pictures. There we yeah. go, everybody. <laughs> And um, I'm Foggy's pal. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you're not going to find me on my computer on Facebook anymore because um, their authentication is now requiring me to upload my driver's license. So that's not happening. So wow. I'm very mad at Facebook right now. So Huh. Yeah, forget them. It's weird. Isn't that the strangest thing ever?
1: Is that to run like a business page? Is that what it is? No, it's to oh. sign
0: in. Because I... I just shut really? down it like I just, yeah, I don't know. So I went back in to sign into Facebook and it had required an authentication. So I used my password app on my phone and it gives you a code. I put the code in it said, it's not working. You'll need to find an alternative method. And the alternative method is to upload your driver's license. Wow. No. To no. Facebook. To Facebook. No, thank you. That's not happening. Huh. Interesting. So I'll be there over there on the Twitter though and the Instagram. So you guys can find me there. <laughs> And um, you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, and SoundCloud. And you can find um, more reviews and things on WanderingsandWoolGathering.com. And go over to the Facebook page, which I can access through my phone, for the Wanderings and Wool Gathering page. We have uh, lots of cool stuff on there. And uh, we will see you next week. That will be episode 129. That'll be Sandman episode 20. It will be the Arctic Monkeys, and Mr. Mundy is coming up with a clever challenge for all of us, because he is clever. Right, uh
1: Sure. Why not? I'll try.
0: That's affirmative. <laughs> That's affirmative, everyone. Until then, we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah, and Smashing Pumpkins will have a new song for us. Bye now.